All right, uh, today's reading comes from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of God. It's great to be with you again today. Rob, thanks for letting me be here. Uh, My name is Todd Blackhurst, as has already been mentioned. I'm from Amarillo, Texas originally, and now I live in Taichung, Taiwan, which is the center city of the island of Taiwan. This is my second time to be with you guys, and I do work with Brian Lee, your good friend, and yes, I'm going to tell a couple stories about Brian in just a moment, so don't worry. And they're good ones, so you'll get a chance to enjoy uh, some laughs at his expense, because he's not here and he can't defend himself. (laughs) So... I thought I would begin by just sharing a little bit of uh, my story and how I ended up in Taiwan and hopefully encourage you in that way. I'm 48 years old and I moved to Taiwan with my family. I have a wife, I've been married 21 years, and I have three children, uh, two daughters and a son, 17, 14, and 11, and all five of us moved from Amarillo to Taiwan a little over three years ago. And so that was in the middle of my life, midlife crisis, right? Uh, That's not something you normally do when you're in your mid-40s is change countries um, and start a missionary lifestyle. That's something you do when you're young like Brian. Brian just picked a good time to go overseas, right? Um, So how does that happen? How does that happen to somebody? Well, I was a a youth pastor for many years. I worked in the South and lots of, not lots of churches, a few churches, and ended up in Amarillo, Texas and had never been overseas. I'd been to Mexico and I'd been to Canada, but you know, in the United States, we don't really count those as foreign countries, right? They're just like extensions of America. So that's a joke, by the way. I, I, know, they're, I know they're foreign countries. Um, but I uh, never ended up overseas. And when I went to work at Trinity Baptist Church in Amarillo, which, by the way, that's where your former pastor and I met, Ryan Miller. That's where Ryan and I worked together. Um, the pastor there and I talked about how could we find a way to encourage our young people to consider missions um, and, and potentially God would use that as a way to call some of them into missions. We wanted to find a way to spur that, to kind of till the soil, fertilize the soil. So we, we decided to embark upon a, a journey of giving them opportunities to go overseas and experience missions firsthand. And we wanted to take them to places where they could share the gospel. We know there were lots of opportunities where they could go and build things and serve, but we felt like the best way to do that was to get them face-to-face with people talking about Jesus. So in 2004, I went on my first overseas international mission trip to Tanzania, South Africa. And um, that literally turned my world upside down. I had never experienced a foreign culture before. I was a good Texas boy, and I thought Texas was really a country into itself. So I felt when I crossed the border of Texas into other states, we were going to another country. But um, my life got upended. 
I went by myself. My wife didn't go with me. She was pregnant with our son, Andrew. And when I came home, I was so moved by that experience. I really believe that on that trip, God did something in my life, and, and really God called me to go overseas. But he didn't call my wife at the same time. So I got home, and I, was, I remember distinctly the day I got home, I'm unpacking the suitcase on the living room floor, passing out little gifts to my children, my two daughters, and I looked at my wife and I said, hey, sweetheart, I have something, some good news for you. I said, I believe God's calling us to missions. I think we should sell everything and move to Africa. And you can imagine what she said, right? She said, over my dead body. <laughs> so that was kind of the end of the missions trip for me, you know. I mean, I thought, well, that's interesting. I thought God would have told you the same thing while I was in Africa. But apparently it doesn't work that way. So uh, we did not sell everything and move to Africa at that time. Um, the next year, we did not go back to Africa. We ended up going to Taiwan. Our church had a young a man who grew up in our church in Amarillo, who was living in Taichung, Taiwan at the time, and we, so we made that connection, and we took about 20 students the next year to serve in Taichung, uh, sharing the gospel with college students, and that's how our, our initial connection with that ministry got started. It was so moving to go to Taichung because it's a little bit like uh, living in the urban area of New York. It's a highly concentrated, so there's 2.8 million people who live in the city that I live in, and it's a very compact, dense Asian city. Some of you are very familiar with that environment. And I remember being on the ground my first morning in Taichung, waking up and having that overwhelming experience because 97% of the people in Taiwan do not know Jesus. And I remember that experience of feeling the overwhelming lostness and knowing that I had been given the opportunity to grow up in a place where 97% of the people knew, at least knew or heard the gospel. And here I was standing in a place where 97% of the people didn't even know what a Bible was. And how could I go back? And, and so I knew for certain that God was doing something in my life. So um, we just kept going back every year. We would go back and share the gospel. We, we developed a, a partnership there. And um, I felt like maybe instead of God sending me to go, God was going to use me to help other people go. And he did. Several young people from our church were called to missions over those years. And then five years ago, my wife actually for the first time decided to go with me to Taichung. Uh, she kept using the excuse that our children were too small over the years. Oh no, the kids are too small, I can't leave them, I can't leave them. And they grew up finally and so she was able to leave them. Uh, solved itself. And when she went, she too was moved and God had been working on her over the years. And then four years ago, there was a man there, a different person, another missionary, who in some providential moment stuck his finger in my face and said, you need to move over here and spend your life here helping us share the gospel. And it was another radical moment in my life, and God used that moment, and I, I knew it was the right time then. But again, I, I wasn't sure about my wife because she wasn't with me at that moment, and she was back home in America, and I didn't... I, I, I kind of had that fearful thing, you know, and I, I knew it was the right thing to do, but... Um, by the way, have you guys ever studied Chinese? Um, I know some of you, are, a, a lot of you are actually probably bilingual, right? You speak Korean or some other language, but 
Uh, Chinese is a unique language in the world. It's quite difficult. And the older you get, the harder it becomes to learn. And so uh, this guy who stuck his finger in my face, I, I looked at him and I said, you've lost your mind. I said, I am 44 years old at the time. I was 44 years old. I said, there's no possible way I can learn Chinese. And he said, do you know how old I was when I moved to Taiwan and learned Chinese? I said, uh, 44. <laughs> he said, 45. <laughs> okay. I said, well, that's, this is not happening. You've lost your mind. I said, I'm not moving over here. You know, it's just not going to happen. So I, I flew back to America, and I, I couldn't sleep for about a week. Uh, I, I just, I, all I did, I couldn't even eat. I was just sick to my stomach. I didn't tell my wife about that conversation because I just didn't want to have the big disappointment again. So finally, after a week, I just thought, well, okay, I've got to get this over with. I, I'll ask her. She'll say no. She'll say, you know, over my dead body again, and we can move on with our lives. So I called her up, and I said, uh, hey, why don't we meet for lunch? Um, she came. We met for lunch, and I just was a nervous wreck the whole time. And uh, so finally, I, I said, why don't, why don't we go out to the car and sit in the car? And she was like, are you okay? Because <laughs> we didn't normally do that. And... Uh, I said, all right, I just, I just got to ask you this question. And she said, what's, what's the question? And I said, what do you think about moving to Taiwan? And she said, I've been waiting for you to ask me that question. And I said, that still wasn't a yes, though, right? I said, is that, is that a good I've been waiting or a bad I? She said, no, no, it's good. She said, let's do it. I said, let's do it? Are you kidding me? And then I had another heart attack because I thought, well, how are we going to do it? I mean, are you crazy? I'm 44 years old. And um, anyway, a year later, God made it possible, and we packed every, sold everything and moved to Taiwan. I tell you that story um, in no way to glorify my family or myself, but to say it can happen. Some of you might be saying, I, I don't know about all this mission stuff. You know, that's for other people. Maybe God has spoken to you at some point in your life. Maybe God's speaking to you today. Listen, it can happen. He can do some amazing things. It's not for everybody. Listen, God calls some people to work. God calls you, some of you just need to stay right here. And maybe some of you need to go. So this morning, if God's speaking to you, Maybe you need to say yes. Maybe some of you husbands and wives need to have a little conversation out in the car afterwards. I don't know. That's, that's between you and God. Okay, so um, that's how we ended up in Taiwan. I met Brian two years ago when he came with this church uh, to serve in Taiwan. There's a few of you here in the audience who came with him. Um, we had such a wonderful time, and, and Brian was uh, particularly moved, I think, on that trip and wrote me uh, or actually on the high-speed train back to Taipei at the end of that trip, we sat next to each other, and he said, you know, is there any chance of me being able to come and, and work here and serve with you? And at the time, we hadn't really talked about the internship program, and it came into being shortly thereafter. And he was the, I sent the email saying, does anybody want to come to Taiwan? And literally within like a minute, he replied back and said, I want to come. So we began to work on that, and, and your church was so gracious to support and send him to work alongside of me. and um, He has been such a great friend, a great partner in ministry, and I just want to tell you a couple funny stories about him. Um, Brian is obviously a Korean-American, so he's Asian. 
and he, he looks Asian. I mean, he's Asian, right? So we live in Taiwan, which is 99% Taiwanese. So most people, when they first see him, they think he's Taiwanese. So when we go anywhere together, uh, the assumption is he's Chinese. So most people speak to him. Uh, and they think he can speak Chinese, which is particularly hilarious because I'm the one who can speak Chinese. <laughs> so this is typically what happens anytime we go somewhere. You know, the people just immediately, we'll sit down at a restaurant or we go up somewhere and, and they just immediately, blah, 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 you know, they start talking to him and Brian's like. <laughs> and in a little bit of Mandarin he can speak, he's like, I don't speak Chinese. And they, they just kind of look at him like, what, you don't speak Chinese? Is this a joke? And they look at me and they look back at him and, and I'm like, um, sorry, he's, he doesn't speak Chinese. And they're like, you speak Chinese? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. But even after they realize I'm the one who speaks Chinese, they just keep staring at him. Like, what's wrong with this picture? Like, what's, are you broken? It's just, it's so funny. It's hilarious. Um, Brian, uh, Taiwanese people have a particular affection for K-pop, Korean <laughs> pops. So Brian has become known in some circles as K-pop. He's, he's a handsome young man. So when he first got there, um, we had a group from Baylor University in Texas come over and do some work with us. And we went to a junior high school, a very dangerous place for Brian to go, by the way. So we spent a day at this junior high school. And um, actually, we thought that the American students would be very popular there. But it turns out Brian was more popular than the American students because they love K-pop. And so at lunchtime, we're sitting in the principal's office. The principal had put on kind of a special lunch for the leadership of the choir and everything, and Brian was invited. So we're sitting at this table. My back is to the door, and um, the principal is sitting over here, and all of a sudden, there's a, a knock on the door, and these two little cute girls, you know, they come in and, and make their way around to the principal. And, you know, Asian society is very formal and very, you know, rigid. And so they, they march up to the principal. And they have a, a, a package of uh, tissues. You know, we don't really use napkins in Taiwan. You use little tissues. And there's tissues on the table. So, but in Chinese, they say, oh, oh, principal, uh, we just weren't sure that you had any tissues for your lunch. I'm like, what's going on? And the principal gets kind of this big smile on his face, and he says, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of us. It's, it's very kind of you. And he takes the tissues and sets them on the table, and they just stand there <laughs> staring at Brian. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I kind of realize what's going on, and, and the principal says, is there something else? And they said, we were just wondering if maybe we could take a picture with... Um, Brian. <laughs> and then I realized there's some giggling behind me and there's 10 girls in the hallway. <laughs> they all are waiting to take their picture with Brian. Yeah, it's dangerous. We don't go to junior high schools anymore with Brian. <laughs> Listen, he is, uh, he is so... Uh, oh, my paper. Oh, there we go. Okay, got it. Thanks. I want to say this about him. Um, he is a hard worker. And he's currently studying Chinese. He started a couple weeks ago, so hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get, him, get him a little bit down the road there. He loves people. And you guys know that because you have worked with him. But Brian is, um, you know, the first couple months, obviously, we spent a lot of time together because of the 
him getting used to the culture and learning about Chinese culture. But at this point, he's really very independent. And most days when I call him up and say, hey, what are you doing? He's already got appointments with people. He's having lunch with guys, uh, not girls, with guys. Um, he's, he's actively pursuing people for the sake of the gospel. And so as a church, I just want you to know you can be very proud of him. And uh, if, as you have opportunity, I just encourage you, many of you do, you write him, please continue to do that and encourage him. So, jayo, as we say in Chinese. That means go, go, go. So he's a great guy. Thank you for sending him. So what does a missionary do? I thought I might just share just a quick story about... Um, a lot of people say, well, what do you do with your time? How, do, how does a missionary life work? I just want to share one story with you about a couple um, named Richard and Christine. When Krista and I first got to Taiwan, um, we were asked, we, we partner with churches. This is really important in missionary work because obviously we're not Chinese. But God uses uh, people from outside the culture to speak into the culture. The title of my sermon today is Aliens Among Us. And it really doesn't matter what your culture is. All Christians are aliens in the world. Okay? So that's, that's kind of the theme for today. So Krista and I are aliens in Taiwan. I, we actually have an alien resident card. That's, that's how our permission to be in the culture. We are, we are an alien. So in the culture, uh, we have a unique role to play. We speak from outside the culture. We speak into the culture. We love the culture. So we were asked by this church to teach an English Bible study for little children. It's the church's way of reaching out into the community and loving their neighbors because that's a value of their culture is to learn English. And they, the church saw all these neighborhood children and they said one way we could love our community is provide the children a native English speaker and we'll teach Bible stories to do it. So they asked me to do it. Well, I'm not really good with children. So after about a month, uh, the leader of the study came to me and she said, you know, you're not really good with children. <laughs> They're also very direct at times. Um, she said, uh, can we have your wife instead? <laughs> and I was like, praise God. So uh, my wife started teaching the children, and we had so many parents coming, I actually started working with the adults. This uh, young man and his wife were bringing their two daughters, Richard and Christine, had never touched a Bible in their lives, didn't know what it was, but they wanted their two little girls to hear a native English speaker and have the opportunity to hear English. So Richard and Christine were coming every week, and Richard and I, Richard and Christine and I would sit outside, and I gave them a Bible, and they read it. <laughs> they, I, they took it home one week, and they came back, and they'd made it through, like, Psalms. I mean, literally, from Genesis to Psalms. And they came back with a list of questions. And if you've read Genesis to Psalms and you're not a Christian, there's a lot of questions in there. And they had a lot of questions. So we started working through the questions that they had about the Bible. And over the course of about six months, um, they decided they wanted to follow Christ. And it was unbelievable. It was unreal to me. Because if you know anything about Taiwanese religion, um, they are very religious they were involved in ancestor worship. They lived with Richard's parents. And in their home, they have a family altar. So every morning and every night, they bow at the family altar, they burn incense, and they worship their ancestors. If you choose 
to become a Christian, you cannot do that anymore. You can honor your ancestors, but you cannot worship them. And to do that in Chinese culture, in Taiwanese culture, if you break that, it means you are abandoning your ancestors in the afterlife. That's what the, your traditional family will believe. And so his parents told him, as he began coming to church, they said, it's okay if you go to church, it's okay if you want to hang out with the Westerner, but don't you dare become a Christian, because that means we will be lost and alone and wandering in the afterlife. So when Richard decided to become a Christian, when he and Christine decided to become a Christian, his parents just went off the wall. And they forbid him to become a Christian. They said, you can't. I still have the messages. He sent me a text one night. He said, I've told my father we want to become a Christian, and he's told me. And, and, and in Taiwan, everybody owns everything together. I'm not sure about other Asian cultures, but in Taiwan, um, like if you buy a house, actually mom and dad help you buy a house, and it's all shared communally. So his par parents told him, if you become a Christian, we will cut you off. Everything. So he texts me, and he says, my, my parents are so angry right now, they are going to cut us off. They're kicking us out of the house if we choose to follow Christ. I texted him back and I said, Richard, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask my friends in America to pray for you. Jesus loves you and you can trust him. So I did. I sent out to my prayer list of several hundred people and people prayed for him. The next day, I called him and I said, what happened? He said, you're not going to believe what happened. He said, last night, my uncle showed up at my house. My uncle never comes to visit, and he showed up last night. And my uncle's not a Christian, but my father was so angry, storming around the house, and my uncle walks in and says, what's going on? And my father says, Richard's becoming a Christian. I'm so angry, I'm going to kick him out. And my uncle says, what are you so angry about? He says, I know lots of Christians. They're good people. He says, you don't have anything to be angry about here. He said, Richard wants to be a Christian. Let him be a Christian. He said, you need to calm down. He said, this is not a big deal. He says, because my uncle is older than my father, he has the senior place. So my father listened to him. He says, well, how did that happen? And I said, well, I'll tell you how it happened, because God loves you. God loves you, and God intervened in your life. Richard and his wife chose to follow Christ. Last week, I got a call from Richard, and he said, hey, can you come to the church on Sunday afternoon and help me? This is a, a different church than the one that we normally work with. And he said, they've asked me to be the youth group leader. And he said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I went, and we're going to help them start a youth group at the church. Listen, God can do incredible and amazing things. And it's not because of me or anything else, but God loves people so much that he sends people like Brian, he sends people like me, and he sends people like you out into the world, into New York City, into Tarrytown, into all the places that you live because there's people in crisis. There's people whose lives are falling apart. There's people whose lives are Christless and they need the gospel. What do they need? They need an alien. The scripture verse that we read just a little while ago is a modern translation, but the old translation says, 
that we are aliens and strangers. That's what the old translation, many of you may remember that. Aliens and strangers. Peter, when he was writing this, this book, 1 Peter, this letter, he says, we are to live as aliens and strangers. And I just want to make a couple of quick points. I know our time is, is running out here. What, do, what does he mean? Let me just give you three quick points. What does he mean? An alien and stranger, here's the first point. He's saying, don't get too attached. Don't get too attached to this world. You won't be any good. Don't get too attached to this world. You see, some Christians, they, they get so attached to the world, they're so in love with the world, they can't do any good for the world because they're just like the world. You ever heard somebody say, oh, he's so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good? That's a, that phrase actually doesn't work. We should be so heavenly-minded that we are of ultimate earthly good. It's only a person who is heavenly-minded that is of earthly good. Listen, you cannot be attached to this world. An alien means this. Our citizenship is elsewhere. I'm in Taiwan almost all the time, but I'm not a citizen. I'm a citizen of the United States. When I'm standing in the line to come back into the United States, I hold a U.S. passport. And that means I can just walk on in. Our citizenship is not ultimately of this world, but we often live like it is. We buy into everything this world has to offer. We think if we have this house, or if we have this car, or if we have this stuff, and we just, oh, we just want these things so bad, and we hold on to them. But listen, it's all going away. It's all going away, and when we want these things so badly, when we hold on to them so dearly, when we count them as so precious, the world looks at us and they say, well, you're just like us. We have to, we're, our job as aliens is to remind people, these things are not that important. Trump, Clinton, is it, you know? Yes, it's important, but it's not of ultimate importance. Our citizenship is somewhere else. Somewhere else. We've got to think differently. Somebody said this to me the other day in Taiwan. A Taiwanese person said it. It actually was quite clarifying. I was complaining something about the government over there, and they said, you know, you can leave anytime you want to. Kind of hurt my feelings. But they were right. I'm not a citizen. I have no right to complain. Listen, the same thing ought to be said about us. We get so caught up in things down here. Listen, we're leaving. We're leaving. Don't get so caught up in this stuff down here. So that way we can be of good. That's my next point. Okay, what's the next point? Do get involved. Do get involved. The first point, Peter says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Okay, what's the idea? He's saying be so separate. He's saying separate yourselves. And the rest of this book, he talks about how to do that. Okay, what's the second point? The second point is let them see your good deeds. Good deeds. Christians 
ought to do more for the culture that they're in than anybody else, ought to do more good for the culture that they're in than anybody else. We ought to be involved in what's happening around us. We ought to be out in the culture, taking care of the poor, taking care of the ills of society in ways that no one else can match. But sometimes we we gather together and we just huddle around each other. You know, we've got our little groups and we love our little groups and we have so much good fellowship all together and we, those people out there, you know, they're so wicked. No, we need to go out. Let's get out and do something. Do something for the culture. Let our lives be of influence. Let our lives be giving. Let our lives be sharing. We are outsiders working for the inside. All Christians are outsiders at some level, aliens. But we work for the inside. We're working for the good of the culture that we're in. All right, last point. What, why? What's the reason? Peter says, so that we glorify God on the day he visits. May glorify God on the day he visits. He's coming back. Our, our king is coming back. The place where our citizenship, it's, it's real. And the ultimate purpose is that we will glorify him. And that other people will glorify him. So it's not just that we can do good and say, oh, wow, look at the good stuff that we did. That's not the reason. It's not that we can just be separate and say, wow, I didn't, I didn't you know, hang out with those people. No, 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 it's not that. The real reason that we do these things is so that every person has a chance so that other people will know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. The reason that we do this is so that the gospel gets out. There are Christians who do plenty of good works, but they don't share the gospel. A good deed without the gospel, I don't know what that is. Social service. Okay, good deeds must be accompanied by the gospel message. The message of Jesus is the one that saves. We bring people into the kingdom out of their earthly citizenship into a heavenly citizenship so that on the day that Jesus returns, God gets the glory. That's the whole point. That's what it's all about. That's the purpose that people know and love Jesus Christ. That's it. Three simple things. I hope you're encouraged this morning. Maybe God's spoken to you. Maybe some of you are thinking about going somewhere. Maybe you're just thinking about going back to your office, to your school, to where God has placed you right here. And that's what it's all about. When you walk out those doors today, that is the mission field. It is. And you have a message to take. Now, how can you take it? How can you take it? Peter told us how. Let me pray for you.
Father, we thank you for your great love for us. In that you actually demonstrated how to do this. You came as an alien. You lived as an outsider. And yet you lived in such a way that you did so much good for the people around you that people wanted to know what your message was. And then you gave it to them. And you offered them salvation freely. You offered us salvation freely. And we, we can do the same. You have put in us the Holy Spirit so that as we go out into the world, as we go to our work, as we go to school, as we go wherever you send us, we can have the same mind, the mind of Christ, to live the life of Christ. So help us, Lord. Help us be transformed by the power of your word and the work of your spirit in our lives. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.